Thanks, Josh, Carrie, Tim. You know, just maybe me, but there's something so crucial about being led in worship musically by talented individuals that should be a part of church. It's got to be more than just a cerebral to study. There's something about the emotions that just allow me to worship God in whole different ways. If you guys don't know me, I recognize most of you. If you don't know me out there, my name's Evan. I'm the pastor of Rimrock Downtown. Um, I'm running on fumes right now and the spirit. It's my hope. He keeps telling me everything will be fine. My hope, as always, is that you guys walk away with one thing. Right? One thing. Just keep that in mind. What is the thing that God wants me to walk away considering and then applying to your life? I'll give you a lot of words, but just one thing. You guys ready? So, so often when we hear stories from the Bible, our eyes and then our minds glaze over. Because there's stories that we innately believe are from a different time. Happenings that sound really cool, but that we are un unable to relate with because that is no longer how God works. We'd love to be able to see miracles and to be a part of a community, a community that's as united and driven as what we see in the book of Acts, but we were born in the wrong time and the wrong place. So in a lot of ways, our approach to being disciples of Jesus is more of an afterthought than a driving force. Yeah, we go to church when we can. We pray to God when we need to. We gather with fellow believers when it works for our schedule. We openly communicate about our faith when it's not too awkward of an experience. And then when we hear about what Peter and John and the rest of their crew got to experience, we shake our heads wondering, man, why don't I get to do that? Now, please, please don't hear this as judgment. I do the exact same thing. I have been the last 38 years of my life. Hear this more as informative. You know, in recent years, I've noticed the power of a very simple principle, cause and effect. For the most part, what we do determines what we experience. In the same way that this is true, if you look both ways before you cross the street or you make sure the house is clean before your wife gets home, if we want to experience more good, specifically more of God's power and more of his tangible grace, then we need to live the same way that the disciples lived. For the past 11 weeks, we've been studying through the first, chap first seven chapters of Acts. And through that, I've learned that there was three factors that the disciples were doing that allowed them to experience God in the way that they did. First one, they knew what they were called to do. Second one, they relied heavily on the Spirit. Number three, they were surrounded by their community. So the first one, they knew what they were called to do. More specifically, they knew that they were called by God to be His witnesses. We see this command given to them in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Oh, and by the way, I didn't have time to put the verses on the screen. So it looks like you actually have to do something instead of just zone out while I read these verses. Funny, huh? Acts 1, 8. But you, this is Jesus speaking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
In Greek, the word witness is simply translated as one who provides a testimony. In other words, someone who tells other people about what they have experienced. Through the weeks and the months that follow this instruction from Jesus, John and Peter and the rest of their crew simply tell people about the Jesus that they experienced. Each of the recorded messages that are in Acts is only about Jesus, about the man whom they had spent three years with, the man whom they watched do miraculous things, the man whom they saw living and breathing after he was brutally murdered. In what is recorded, they are not getting into deeper theological debates, like whether or not the coronavirus is one of the plagues from Revelation. They are simply sharing about Jesus and the fact that he is the Son of God and that he has the ability to save all people from the brokenness of this world. And the reason that they know this is because of what they've experienced, the way that Jesus had stepped into their world and given them life the ways that Jesus had thought, sought them out and genuinely loved them in spite of their pride, their selfishness, their cowardness, the ways that Jesus had spoken to them of their worth and their role in accomplishing the mission that God had for his people. And they passionately shared these stories. You know, I believe their passion is a direct result of them knowing who Jesus is and knowing that he is the source of everything good in their lives, as well as them knowing that they were called by their creator to share these stories with those around them. And if you see Jesus in the same way the disciples do, the only one that can truly pre free you from your inherent brokenness, then you are in the same spot as Peter and John. Your life is better now than it used to be. I say that confidently. It may be in small, almost unnoticeable ways, like your rage only comes to a full boil half the time that it used to, right? Or you only seldomly look at porn now. Or you, those judgmental thoughts that are rolling through your head only get expressed every once in a great while. You're still better than you used to be by the work of the Spirit. Or it may be in bigger ways. Maybe you were freed from addiction. Maybe your business exploded out of nowhere. Maybe your marriage was saved from its logical demise. Just like the disciples, you have directly experienced his power. And just like the disciples, you are called to tell others of what you have experienced. I'll show you. Second Corinthians. I'm going to borrow this, Josh. 2 Corinthians 5. You've heard this one a lot as we've been going through the book of Acts. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. So, if anyone is in Christ, again, if you believe in him, if you say that he is the Son of God, you are in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you catch that? That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, which we know, that's like foundational to Christianity, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. 
So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. And there is so much in this passage. Jesus has recreated you. Spiritually, he has made you new. Out of that regeneration, your mind, your emotions, your willpower, what the Bible refers to as your heart, it has been transformed. But he did not do this just for you. He also did it so that way you can be his ambassador. As his new creation, you are living proof that God is real and that the Spirit is actively working in people's lives, making them better. Therefore, you are called to be one whom you are called to be the one he made you to be and witness to those out of who you are. To share your story to those around you so that they can become more aware of the goodness that is awaiting them. And what I love about it, your story cannot be disputed. Unless you lie, your story is simply history. It is reality. It is proof that the God that the Bible describes is real and that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And your story is yours to share. You saw Alicia do it. Simple as relaying what you have experienced about God stepping into your life and into the lives of others. The second crucial factor that I've seen that led the disciples to experience God in the ways that they did is that they relied heavily on the Spirit. The Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, is definitely the main character in the book of Acts. He is mentioned some 55 times in 28 chapters. From the first sentence to the closing verses, the Spirit is described as the one through whom all of God's power was manifested. That's why Jesus told his disciples to wait until the Spirit comes before they start sharing their story. Let's read that again. Acts 1.8. But you will receive the power when the Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Right? You see that? First, you will receive the power from the Spirit. Then you will do what I'm calling you to do. Over and over through the first seven chapters, we see the Spirit being the reason why messages were shared and why the disciples were able to boldly stand against religious authorities. Let me just read two of them to you. Acts 4, 7 and 8. This is Peter and John. When they had made the prisoners stand in their midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, See why he said what he said? When he was filled with the Spirit. We also see it, chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. The disciples, after they'd been released, they're gathering together, praying to God. And now, Lord, look at their threats and grant your servants to speak your words with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the, same, through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. And these are just two examples of many that show the ways in which the disciples relied heavily on the Spirit to do what God had called them to do. Now this incredible, almost unbelievable opportunity lies in our hands as well. 
if you believe that the God of the Bible is real and he has power to redeem you from brokenness, then you have not only been spiritually saved, but you've also been given direct access to God himself. Let's take a moment to consider that. You guys watch a sunset lately? Look at the stars, see the ocean, Grand Canyon, any of those things? Think about the one who created that, and you have direct access to him. The one who knits together little babies in a belly of another human, and they grow into us. We have direct access to that God. The Spirit is God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Right? All three are God himself, and each one plays a unique role in our lives. They're there to create us, to save us, and then sustain us. When we are spiritually cleansed by our faith in Jesus, then we are given direct access to the Spirit. As we see in Acts, the Spirit has the ability to work in and through people so that way they can more fully experience what God has called them to do. We also see this in Elisha's story. That means that you have the ability to invite God into your everyday normal, into your day-to-day -day lives, as Carrie was praying your relationships at home and work, your conversations with your friends, your family, the clerks at the stores that you go to. When it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, this is not referring to his moment of salvation. Rather, when the Almighty Maker of everything directly puts thoughts into Peter's mind. This is when the Spirit of the living God gives him the courage to say things that he normally wouldn't be comfortable saying. And we have the same privileges to be led and empowered by the creator of everything to do what he has called us to do. Remember what that is? To be witnesses. To be ambassadors of the message of reconciliation. One of Derek's favorite verses, it's got to be, it's tattooed on his calf, Ezekiel 36. Verses 25 through 27. Ezekiel 36, 25. I will sprinkle clean water upon you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. A new heart, remember, mind, emotions, willpower, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you and I will remove from your body the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and make you follow my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. God directly says he's going to give us himself so that we can live the way that he wants us to live. But to experience what the disciples experienced, we must continually invite God into our moments, asking for his direction and power to do what he wants us to do. If we don't, he most likely won't. We aren't his robots or his slaves. We're his children, and we have been given free will. Therefore, in many ways, it is our choice on how involved God is in our lives. The third ingredient that I see that helped the disciples experience God in incredible ways is their approach to other people who believed in Jesus. In multiple passages, we see that the early church was a community of people. It wasn't a rigid hierarchy of power and position. 
It wasn't oversized buildings filled with statues and stained glass. It was a community of people drawn together by their common love for Jesus and their desire to bring God glory. Because of this communal approach, the early church was able to do far more and to be far more effective in what they were doing as witnesses. The power of, the, of community is exhibited because each individual brought something unique to the community, something that only they could. And they were able to encourage and support one another when things got hard. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at the first part of Acts 6. This is when the 12 disciples called everybody together in order to let them know, man, hey, we cannot do this all on our own. We need your help. That the mission of the church or their community needed to be carried out by everyone involved, each doing what they are naturally gifted to do. This is fundamental in understanding how God created his people to live. It was never part of God's design to have one or two ordained individuals do a majority of the work in bringing his goodness to the world. Rather, the people of God have been created to all be intimately involved in our mission, to bring what only you can bring to your world. That second reason, this idea of support and encouragement, Right off the bat, we see the disciples and new members of the community continually gathering together to study and worship God, break, bed, break bread together, and have fun. I bet you they had some game like bags back in the first century. Rocks. We see this in Acts 2.46. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, right, the church, they also broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. The church, or the community of followers of Jesus, willingly gave up their time so that way they could gather together and encourage one another. Peter and John and many others, they were openly declaring the truth of Jesus to people who gladly received it. But their message also fell on ears of people that turned into violent opposers. By being surrounded by a group of people who were dedicated to the same mission, this had to have given them such encouragement to continue to do what God had called them to do. Now for me, the connection of this to us is obvious. We are created to be social. Very few, if any of us, wants to live life alone. We long to be encouraged and supported by others. And whomever we choose to be surrounded by, we will be influenced by what they think is important. Therefore, if you want to be encouraged to more fully pursue the one who made you, you must spend time with people who want the same thing. If you want to be supported when circumstances rear their ugly head, then you need to be surrounded by people who trust in God because they've been through dark times and learned that he is faithful to always carry you. If you want to be encouraged and supported, even challenged to reach out to those people in your life, to show them your living hope, then you must spend time with people who also understand their God-given purpose. And the reason why the disciples got to experience God in incredible, 
almost mind-blowing ways was because they knew what they were called to do. It's because they relied heavily on the Spirit and because they were surrounded by their community. If any of these resonate deeply with you, please take time to read through the first seven chapters of Acts through this lens, looking for ways in which they operated in community, looking for ways in which they relied on the Spirit, looking for ways in which they operated out of their mission. Do not rely, do not depend on my rushed and inadequate presentation of this material. You are free and able to read the Word of God. Do it. You know, I've already given you small pieces of application, but since I have this platform, I want to make, I want to finish by letting you know the opportunities that lie ahead for us, specifically Rimrock Downtown. Right, everybody in this room, everybody on the other side of this lens, over the past eight years, Rimrock Downtown has slowly grown into what it is today. We are a community full of talented individuals that love God. We are a community full of people that have been blessed with abundance of resources. Out of who we are and what we have, God wants to bring his goodness into other people's lives. Something that you hear me say over and over and you will. This is what happens when you listen to somebody who should have died but was given another chance, right? Is that <clears throat> each of us have been intentionally made to accomplish a purpose that God laid out to be our way of life. We have been created for this time. There is a reason why you are alive today and however many days God gives you. Right, that song we were singing, this, this borrowed breath. It's what we have. This is true for us individually as well as collectively. Rimrock Downtown has been put into the heart of Rapid City for a reason. Our community is comprised of us for a reason. Everyone in this room, everybody on the other side of this lens. We got 200 plus people that are a part of this church for a reason. You each bring something unique and beautiful to who we are. If we want to experience God in similar ways as the early church, then it is up to us and the choices that we make. You know, years ago, God put a thought on my mind that will not go away. This idea of creating a community that reaches out to others through our shared passions. Whether you're into knitting or skateboarding, essential oils, or rock climbing, photography, karate, NFL, right? whatever it is, passions. Your passion is an avenue through which you can connect to other people that love what you love. As you spend time together, you will build a relationship. Out of this relationship, you will be given opportunities to share your story of the way that God has made your life better. Through stories, people's lives can be changed. Now, I've been telling you this idea for our church for a while now, and I see more and more people starting to understand the value of this concept, the non-traditional approach to church. You've got to remember, we are the church, you and me. 
Let's use our interests and our passions to connect with people so that God may use us to bring, him th- bring them his goodness. Now, this idea or vision for Rimrock Downtown is just beginning to blossom. I've been presenting for years, and I just see it's, it's forming and really starting to open up. I can tell God is moving in our community, putting crucial people in places so that Rimrock Downtown can operate in a whole different manner than traditional church so that we can better reach the culture that the millennial generation is creating. People are not nearly as likely to step foot in a church because it's inconvenient, because they can watch it online, because whatever reason. And so we must reach out to them in new ways. Over the coming weeks and months, you will hear a lot more about this vision from me, from Derek, from Jonathan, from Chris, whoever is up here. And the new building that I believe we may need in order to do this well. But before we launch into all that God wants us to do, we must do what the disciples did. We must rely heavily on the Spirit, and we must be surrounded by fellow believers to make this easier for us. Again, we're being influenced by the millennial generation, right? So to make this easy, there's two opportunities this fall that have been laid out for you. The first one, Kai, I actually have something you can put up. 21 days of intention. Now, if you've been a part of Rimrock at all over the last two years, we've been doing something called 21 days of intention, and this will start next week. 21 days has been proven by scientists, neurologists, to be able to establish new pathways in your brain or habits. After 21 days of intentional living, you can literally reform your brain to better or worse habits. So what we're doing, starting on September 6th or 7th, whatever that Sunday is, we're starting three weeks of intentionally pursuing God. It can be in any form you want. Pray every morning, read the Bible every morning, come gather down here for prayer, which we'll have five days a week. Right? It can be fasting of any type from your phone or from food. It can be giving a certain amount of money, whatever it is. Right? But this idea of like, God, you are my priority. I want to intentionally pursue you for just three weeks. That's all it is, three weeks. So I tell you this now so that way you can pray and think through, all right, God, how should I do this starting next Sunday? The second opportunity you have to live the way that the disciples lived is through community. Starting next week, we have four different small groups that are firing up. Three of these have been operating all throughout the summer. If you've never been a part of a small group, for me, it's been the most profound way for me to learn about God, to interact with other believers, and to be changed by it. You get to sit face-to-face and discuss and pour in and encourage one another. Right? Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll do another one. If you want to start one, do one. doesn't matter. This idea of gathering together, making time to encourage and support one another in their pursuit of God. Just do it for 21 days, if nothing else. Four weeks. Come on, that's easy. Anybody can do that for four weeks just to see how it goes. We'll also have community dinner or community lunches now, starting once a month. You're going to see opportunity after opportunity to gather together. The reason we're doing this 
is so that we can experience God in the ways that he wants us to experience him. God does not change. We have the ability to see God in the way that the disciples saw God. Take advantage of this time. Take advantage of the opportunities so that way God can blow you away. Let's pray. Sing another song. Spirit, I ask that you would work in each of our minds right now. Just give us something, some form of conviction, some form of truth, some form of opportunity that you want us to put our time and effort into. Right now, even for just this moment, we give you our minds. We give you our lives, asking that you would show us how you want us to live. Amen.